Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Okay, welcome back to another edition of the Dungeon of Doom podcast here at MLive, joined by Ben Raven. We are in Allen Park right now in a room surrounded by photos <laughs> of our colleague Tim Twentyman. It's a long, it's a long story. Ben, welcome, welcome to training camp. How you feeling? You know what? Today is an exciting day because yeah. it feels like we've been beaten the same thing over the head for three months straight. So it's like they put pads on today. There was actually some stuff to see between the offensive line and defensive line. But I'm feeling good. I'm ready for a new season. And the photos of Tim are giving me life. (laughs) (laughs) So it's Monday. We're recording on Monday. The pads just went on this morning. You know, the first four days without pads, it's interesting. It's the first time you've seen the full squad together, more or less. We We saw some of it earlier in the spring, but has a different flavor here. It was fun. It was interesting. It was good to be back. The fans came back. But it just hit a totally different gear today. I'm standing about 20 feet, 30 feet maybe, away from Dan Campbell as they're getting the warm-ups were over. They're getting ready to do their first one-on-one reps of training camp. They're wearing pads for the first time, and Dan Campbell is just barking at these guys. <laughs> Team rules say we can't, like, quote coaches at, at practice, so I can't relay exactly what he said, but he was fired up. <laughs> he was ready to hear some pads crack. We'll put it that way. And they didn't disappoint Ben. I mean, the first rep, DeAndre Swift puts Chris Board, your starting inside linebacker right now, in a spin cycle. Couldn't even touch him. Later in the drill, Amon Ross St. Brown jumps over a, a rookie, Kirby Joseph. It's just good stuff. And then you get to the team stuff and Panay Sewell. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a bubble screen to the right. I'm, I'm standing on the right sideline with a bunch of other people. The ball goes to Amon Ross St. Brown on the bubble. And Sewell kicks out and just murders Jeff Okuda. Like, someone should send that man, like, family some flowers because that man got murdered on that play. Like, you could hear it crack, and it's a big day from Panay Sewell today. He was, Ben, to me, Panay Sewell was the best player I saw today when, once the pads came on. Oh, absolutely. It was just a different level for him, and I know people are going to be like, oh, he's taking on a cornerback. No, it was the speed and the quickness to which he got on the outside on that swing block, and then, shoot, you can take two things out of that. Jeff Okuda got put on his butt and got right back up and finished the practice, too. That's the first time he's seen a live bullet, and he caught a live bullet from one of the most feared dudes on this field for sure. But yeah, I mean, it was the Sewell show today. Absolutely, 100%. It was just great to see the offensive line and the defensive line go head to head. You talk about Hutchinson too. I mean, he, he don't look like a rookie. If you beat him with something, you got to change it up the next time he comes at you because that kid's 110% too. I mean, it, just seeing guys like Sewell, Hutchinson, and even Charles Harris, just like, there's some different dudes here. Some different dudes that are 
there's no off switch. There's no off switch, and it was nice to get to see that again today and feel like football season's actually it's actually going to come here. It's actually going to be here. Hutchinson definitely looks like a number two overall pick in terms of talent. You say he doesn't look like a rookie. I I think he looks a little bit like a rookie. I think it showed today just a little bit. Once they put the pads on and everything was much more live than it's been. I mean, I wouldn't call it live football, but it was the closest thing we're going to see until the preseason and the regular season. And Panay Sewell really handled him. He did. They had two one-on-one reps against each other. Sewell won both easily. There was a team at one point where TJ Hawkinson, who's not exactly a, a blocking giant, actually put Hutchinson on the ground yeah. and then kept running into the second <laughs> level and caught the pass on the same play. Those are teaching moments for a guy who's obviously really talented, and you see it every day. I mean, you, you can't throw a stone in Allen Park without hitting somebody who loves that guy. Dan Campbell's going home and talking to his wife about that guy. <laughs> That's a true story. It's a talented guy, and we've seen it on Saturday, the last practice that we saw before this one. Hutchinson beat Sewell for a sack to the inside with a nice little swim move. So there's a lot to like about Aiden Hutchinson, but there is learning to be done as well. And honestly, Ben, when I think about the situation the Lions have in the trenches, it's just such a good situation. They have their offensive line one nine straight reps during one-on-ones to open that. The starting offensive line did not lose a rep. That That is the strength of this team, and that's good for this team, but it's also good for Aiden Hutchinson. That's He's going to get an education in training camp that a lot of pass, rusher, pass rushers don't. Sewell was a top five right tackle in the second half of last season, allowed one sack. The guy is trending toward elite status, and that is what Aiden Hutchinson will see every day for the next couple of weeks. That is a great education, and it's going to help him get ready for the start of the season. I mean, it's like the grandest cliche in all of football is iron sharpens iron, but it's the perfect example of why people actually say that phrase when you get to see. Because I will I will see that point to He did look like a rookie a couple times. I blacked out the Hawkinson putting him on his butt play. It's just <laughs> with Hutchinson, though, it's just those moves inside. You know, he, he doesn't get th- something going to the outside. It's almost like you can just see that he's got a thought for every single move he does, and that's the point where I mean he, he doesn't look like a rookie defensive lineman the way other ones do. It's just like that move inside on Saturday, and he came back with a move inside against the second team today that really stood out too. I mean, him going against Sewell, he hasn't gone against Decker much, but going against Sewell, and that's one of the fastest rising offensive line stars in the league, like you said, and that's just... That's good news for everybody involved on this franchise. The talent in the trenches is evident that was on full display here on, on day one of padded work. I still think that bodes well for the long-term arc of the team and the rebuild, Ben. And I'm, I'm encouraged by the state of the rebuild, and we're going to talk more about that with our guy Kevin Clark here in a second. But as far as this team goes in 2022, I think the ceiling, it, it'll be determined by Jared Goff. Pa- passing league, it's a quarterback's league. Look around the league, there's very few teams that go anywhere without good quarterback play. And we saw really bad quarterback play through the first half of last year. We saw really good quarterback play in the second half with Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson designing that offense. And those guys are back this year. Ben Johnson's calling the shots. I think a lot of it bodes well, Ben. But a lot of it's going to come down to Jared Goff. What have you seen so far from Goff in these early days of camp? He just looks, and Taylor Decker said it perfectly earlier today, he just looks more comfortable. He just looks more involved with every single aspect of the team, and he looks crisp on the field, too, when compared to last year. I'm not saying the guy's a Pro Bowl-level quarterback, but he looks like a starting NFL quarterback, at least, compared to what he did last year when he arrived. But it's just golf. I've said it a couple times. I just think comfort, familiarity, and feeling like he has a voice on the offense really goes a long way with his mental headspace. And he seems to be in a pretty good headspace right now. The ball is looking good coming out of his hands. I mean, I mean, the concerns are there. I'm not going to 
try and rose color that one too much. And Jared Goff is still Jared Goff. We know what the con- long-term concerns are, but I mean, going into this season with the things, the pieces around him, the offensive line, the receivers, the running backs, Hawkinson, all that stuff, the trust of the coaching staff, the seemingly trust of the coaching staff going into this season, at least speaking 2022, it's just... I just see a much more cool, calm, and collected guy that looks a lot better on the field, too. And I don't run away with expectations, but it's pretty clear that uh, he's got a different mental state going into at least his first couple weeks of preseason in camp. Let's get into our uh, chat with Kevin Clark, because he just covers a lot of the stuff so well. So let's get to that. Okay, Ben, we're joined by a actual podcasting professional. Uh, I don't know about that. The inimitable Kevin Clark of the Ringer uh, F1 coverage, obviously football, the NFL show, all kinds of good stuff at the Ringer. Mostly F1. Showing us how it's done. I'm going to see your Lions practice asking about <laughs> Haas. <laughs> Kevin, what you learning down here in, um, in Allen Park? I really like Allen Park. I like coming here every year. I always joke. It's my boilerplate politician joke. Like, I see... I was in Rochester for the Bills. I was in Latrobe, BA yesterday for the Steelers. I was in, I'm in Allen Park today. I only see these places in July and early August, so I have no idea what you guys are complaining about when it's <laughs> two degrees. It seems great. It's golf weather. It's just a beautiful golf yeah. golf day. So I really like it. What am I learning? I always It's always a little different here because I've, I was actually just talking to the team website, and they were asking me about my visits here, and I see there's some franchises where I come out, and I they got nothing. They got no juice. And I go, hey, man, can I get some time with the coordinators and shake the GM's hand? Because I don't want to write word one about a team. A lot of those teams exist right now in the NFL. Lions are not one of them. Last year, it started with Dan Campbell. I wrote a bigger piece with Dan, spent some time with him up in his office. I really enjoyed that. And I think that you guys know this, but I think there was so much that got lost in translation last year with Dan where he was just talking to the fans and the players. He was not talking to me or you or any of those folks with the kneecap biting. It was He wasn't talking to radio guys. And I think that so much of that got lost. And to be able to peel back the layers with Dan was really interesting to me. And then to see, listen, it's not like they set the world on fire last year, but to see what they were able to do as season went on, to get two of the best players, I think, in the draft, Williams and Hutchinson, that to me is the foundations being laid. And so I spent some time with Brad Holmes today. I spent a little bit of time with Aaron Glenn this morning, just learning like, where are we right now? Because it's funny, I, uh, John Dorsey, who's here now, but is not in a public facing role, I sat down with him in Cleveland a couple of years ago. He said that a rebuild takes three years. And so I asked Brad the same question and they're not putting a timeline on it. Now, What's the difference? When I sat down with John Dorsey, they had Baker Mayfield and they understood, hey, here's where we're going. We're going to, I think they were trying to start Tyron Taylor that year, all that stuff. But they knew that the quarterback was in place and and actually probably did take three years. He probably was when you think about that. And then Baker became Baker and things changed. But I don't know. All I can say about this team right now is that they're moving in the right direction. But until we have some certainty on the quarterback position, until we have some certainty on just what the timeline is, I think they can be pretty good this year. They're not a playoff team, but two of my colleagues, Ben Solak and Warren Sharp, have floated them as potential NFC North Dark Horses. The, I don't know if you guys saw this, the biggest bet in, yeah. in Vegas in, in July was was the Lions to, to win the NFC North. Um, I mean, part of that is an odds thing. But then the other part of it is just, I think there's some momentum when you think about the Vikings and the Bears. I don't know what the hell is going on there. They're starting to rebuild right now, and sometimes maybe they want to tear down a little bit more. And then the Packers, obviously, I think they're probably going to win the Super Bowl this year, but you never know. There's a health thing, and there's 
we've seen bad teams flop or good teams flop before. The Lions are, are going to be in the mix to win games, and that's really in a year or two of a rebuild without a long-term plan at quarterback, as, as good as you can hope for. See, Ben, this is why yeah. Kevin is a professional. There's so much to unpack that I think you just talked about it. But I want to go back to your story from last year on Dan Campbell when uh-huh. you sat down with him. I, and I just wanted to point that out because I think locally, of course— Eyebrows perked when he dropped the kneecap thing, and that was the catchy thing of that day. But I think people really gravitated toward his authenticity. Yeah. And that has that has become, I would say, just as someone who's around him every day and around his team every day, kind of his trademark, his calling card, yeah. especially in juxtaposition with the guy before him and Matt Patricia, right? I think he was pretty inauthentic with this team. And so I, I think I that noticed, was noticed that. I think Dan's approach and his authenticity and himself and allowing his players to reflect that back on him, big thing from his first year. But nationally, after that press conference, Kevin, like, he was mocked. Mm-hmm. He was derided. He was called a meathead uh, in USA Today and... All kinds of criticism. He puts the helmet on and yeah. people lose yeah. their minds. Yeah. And so I, I saw a lot of that nationally. There was like a, a disconnect between how that whole thing and Dan Campbell himself yeah. for a while was covered locally versus nationally. You were one of the guys who I thought was kind of ahead of the curve of understanding Appreciate that. this is just this guy being himself yeah. and that this is a good thing. So I'm just curious what you heard from him in that interview when you were sitting down with him that made you see that and sense that and what have you seen over the last 12 months that maybe gives you some kind of confidence that this thing is headed in the right direction with that kind of yeah. style. Yeah, so right. first of all, I think that we as the media do a pretty bad job of identifying people who – traits in people who aren't like ourselves. Like we – I can probably see like a media darling coming a mile away because they look and talk mm-hmm. and think like a media member. And I think that we all should probably get better at identifying people who are not – even though it seems like Dan Campbell's playing to us because of the things he says, he's not. He cares about the locker room. He cares about the fans. And he's not trying to be in a – PFF blog post. That's not what he's interested in. And there are more there are more GMs and coaches who will give me quotes for the type of trend stories I do or whatever. Like, let's talk about the way the spread offense is changing everything. And Dan can do that. But I'm just saying that's not the posture he wants to take. He wants to be authentic. He wants to be himself. He wants to get through to the guys. And so I think I've, I've gotten better as I've covered the league. I've covered the league for 10 years now, Kyle. And like I've gotten – the reason you asked about the, how I figured out the authenticity part of it, I've just gotten a little bit better at just being neutral on everything and saying, okay, what is this guy actually trying to do? And when I was here with – when I be here with Matt Patricia and he's asking people to sit up straight and if they like their jobs and stuff, you're just looking at this guy and you're saying, this, this can't be a human. This can't be a person. I don't mean like a – I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just like this – how did this person wake up? And decide there are 20 guys who are trying to do their jobs in front of me. I'm just going to go at them. Like, you can see that it is the most obvious thing when someone's trying to be something they're not. Okay? Like, I can – Aaron Glenn said this in my story. Players can smell fraud a mile away. And I think that you can do that with – media can do that with coaches too, especially if they've been in a long time where you're just like, man, this guy is not doing what he wants to do. Belichick – for all of the things that, that you can say about Belichick, he's not trying to be anything other than himself. He is unapologetically Belichick. If you're Matt Patricia trying to be Belichick, you will fail. And it's interesting to me because I think Eric Mangini said this about how he regretted the way he treated the media as a Jets coach because he his feeling was, if I go in there and I'm media friendly, it feels like I'm showing up Bill. Because Bill, who am I to say that Bill doesn't do it the right way? Matt, I think, probably had a similar idea. Let's just... Go with the media. Were you guys at the Eagles Super Bowl? 
yeah, Eagles Patriots yeah, Super Bowl. Was, Were you was. around the town at the table where Matt was just acting like a complete asshole the whole time? I was there the whole time. Okay. The entire thing. <laughs> and I was just like, it was good stuff. I, 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 I was, like, these are the people you're going to be spending every day with yeah. for the next. Yeah, at that point, we at all that point, you yeah. also thought maybe it was going to be longer than it was. So, like, mm-hmm. let's say it goes well. You're going to be seeing these people every day for a decade, right? Yeah. You want a little bit like I remember, right. not that he had all the success in the world, but somebody told me one time that when they knew Rex was going to be the Jets coach, that all the Jets beat went down to Baltimore for one of the playoff games. And he got, he like gave them everything they needed in a locker, like sitting in a locker. He was just like, These are my guys now. I'm going. When I saw Patricia, I was like, This dude is just putting on airs. This is just awful. Yeah, I, he, was a, guy, he was a jackass for sure. Complete yeah. jackass. And it just set the tone for everything. Yeah. Dan is the exact opposite of yeah. that. Everything yeah. he says just flowing, and I don't. I just when I watch his press conference, I'm like, this is a guy who, who's unlike anybody else in the NFL, and that's why I wanted to peel peel yeah. away the layers. It's just it's he's a different dude, and yeah. I don't think there's enough people like him, and I don't think the media appreciates people like him, national media, because there were still people even after I wrote that piece, there were people saying to me like I go on a radio show, and I'm sure you guys have had yeah. this too, uh, the fighting kneecap biters, and I'm like, shut up. Oh, as like, of a week ago, still. Yeah, yes. just like the, <laughs> just get a new joke or look up the Lions. And to answer your question about what I've liked about this team, first of all, the build makes sense, what they're doing. As I said, two of the best players in the draft. And I just feel Brad Holmes said something to me that, that I thought was interesting that I'll, I'll put in my column. This wasn't the chandelier year. This was the HVAC year. Or last year was the That's HVAC good, year. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, boys. Did you wish me a happy birthday, by the way? Oh, I forgot. I saw it. <laughs> damn, damn it. I saw it on yesterday on Twitter. I bookmarked it. Oh, no. So the problem, again, the problem was we were from Florida and so yeah. we just started talking about the yeah. Chamberlain High School and all that yeah. stuff. There's always there's always next year. There's always next year. <laughs> I got to time my visit better. But no, and so I don't, again, like w- what Penny Sewell rowing in the right direction. Everything to me feels like it makes sense. And I think that Goff being competent gave them, yeah. at the end of the year, not at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, mm-hmm. gave them more options as far as the quarterback position goes and can get them to a place that I think that would maybe surprise some people. Yeah, and that was one thing we talked about. The national kind of losing sight was all the Malik Willis at number two and in the first round. Talk. Dude, what it was just, that? It, that's what we were asking ourselves every single day because it's just like, and we joke, we've said it, love you something like Brad Holmes loves Jared Goff. And yeah. It's just kind of, it, you kind of open with it. It's like an interesting situation here because they have complimented Goff, but it's there's still this hanging question over his head as bridge. And it's just like, we know it's the game's most premium position, but like, what happens if they go 9-8 and eight this year with Jared Goff looking like he did down the stretch last year? What does that do to their long-term build? What does that do to the just that position in general? I, I mean, I, the, is but, that a bridge they want to avoid crossing? I, I didn't, I, so I got no... Right. Spoiler alert, I got no answers on that timeline. <laughs> they did not exactly spell out who, who what they're going to do in the draft next year. I got no answers on that. Having said that, I think the bar is pretty... My guess is, and again, him being competent gives them a flexibility... He's going to be here. He's cost-controlled. I don't think he's the kind of guy. You know, I do wonder what his next contract's going to look like anywhere. Is it? Does he get, if he's competent, this, we're looking at, what was it, eight figures? That, would that be $10 million? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just, some, some, <laughs> something like, I don't know what that looks like. But I think the bar would have to be, and this is me from an outsider. Mm-hmm. I did not get any information on this today. The bar would be pretty high for for Jared to be here, the quarterback in 2024. It is me as a football observer. But it gives them options. It also mm-hmm. gives them the ability to do the vaunted Kansas City model, where if they drafted Will Levis this time and had Will Levis in this time next year, Tyler Van Dyke this time next year, Bryce Young. Bryce Young is tiny. And I don't 
I'm starting to think, I don't want to make a big call here. I don't do our draft show and I don't do our fantasy football show. So don't ask me either of those questions. <laughs> like people are saying Bryce Young is tiny and I don't think he's going to be the first overall pick. I really don't. And, you know, he's six foot 190, I think he's listed at. And you see some of the photos with him on the red carpet next to other Heisman candidates or other top guys, at, I don't know, the SBs or whatever. I'm not seeing Peyton Manning here, okay, mm. as far as prototypical build. And so... There are going to be those questions going in, and I think that, again, it's not like he's 5'10", he's six foot, but I do think that the more I've talked to scouts, they have said he's tiny. And again, the weight is as big a thing as the height. The height can even, if you have both are a question mark, that's where I start to go, okay, maybe this is, maybe this might be a knock. So, I don't know, it just gives them, golf gives them flexibility, but I don't think 9 and 8, I'm going to have to go like 13. And, I'm trying to think of it, 13 and 4, right? I'm just, the 17 game schedule still screws with me. The barn here um, is just kind of historically weird, though, so it's if they... No, I mean, Matthew Stafford was awesome. No, like, no, no I don't mean at the quarterback. Yeah, oh, yeah. Successful. Yeah, yeah so. I mean, everything has been weird yeah. for 50 years. God, it's been... They haven't spent, Kevin, a single day after Thanksgiving anywhere mm. but last place in four years, the last four years. They have, they've been in last and, place. Dude, it honestly it, seems it's, like longer. As someone who's covered every one of those games, it definitely seems longer. But yeah, it's it's not that they've been bad. It's that they've been so bad for so long. What was their last playoff game? I, I don't 2017, know. right? Yeah, Seattle, right? Yeah. yeah, they got killed by Seattle. Yeah. Was it 16? Oh, play, yeah, I remember this. I remember yeah. this. I remember this year. Yeah, with golf, I think that's the biggest, it's always going to be the biggest question that with quarterback position, mm-hmm. right? And with a rebuild. If nothing else, he's given himself a one-year audition. I think with the pieces around him, this offensive line has a chance to be really good with Sewell, with Decker. Ragnall is one of the best centers in the league. And then you got Josh Reynolds back. Mm-hmm. You added DJ Chark. You added Jamison Williams, one of the fastest men in the NFL. You got the, the back, TJ Hawkinson with the mm-hmm. best center. Like, like, he's got so many places to go with the football. He's got the protection. There's no excuses for Jared Goff. And if he plays well with it, he, maybe he buys him some time with the rebuild. If so he doesn't he, play well, I think next year I think next year is when they look to, to take that next step mm-hmm. at the quarterback position in this rebuild. Yeah, and it depends where they're picking, yeah. frankly. I mean, yeah. like, right. you talk about 9 and 8. The actual biggest thing with 9 and 8 is now whether or not Goff is yeah. going to be the long-term starter. It's are you now picking 20th yeah. instead of 3rd yeah. and getting yourself out of a C.J. Stroud-type situation. Or, listen, I was talking to – I was just BSing with somebody on the sideline today – they say, you know, remember, we didn't have Joe Burrow on our radar at all. He mm-hmm. played one pretty good season at LSU, but it wasn't like this guy's not only going to be a first overall pick, he's going to be a culture changer. So mm-hmm. we're sitting here now, look at Will Levis, look at Anthony Richardson of Florida, yeah. the guys I already named. But who, who knows? You just don't, there's just so many names. I'm looking at Golf's contract now. $31 million cap hit this year, 30 next year, 31 in 2024, but obviously there's an out. In 2023, this is—I think this is more or less the annuity for the Mega Millions. <laughs> I'm serious. 34. It's 34. I looked it up because I was obviously thought I was going to win. I, did you was, buy a ticket in Illinois, by chance? I did not. I bought one in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, my, my, my condolences. <laughs> yeah, I, I lost out. Who do you think? Uh, do you think like Justin Fields or one of those guys? <laughs> It'd be the first time he's hit right Ooh. in the last year. I have no comment on that. I'm a national media member of us Kevin, you're a have a relationship with every team. You're a busy guy. You're traveling all over the place. Got to go to Cincinnati at some point. I know this weekend's. I told you ten minutes. We're like past that at this point. So, get you out of here with this. There is some, I would say, variance in what people's expectations are for the this team this year. Some people think they can be dark horse contenders. I know your friend Mina Kimes is very high on this team as a contender. Wait, so wait, that was with me. So this, let's all go back to the, let's. Yeah. It was that Mina and I decided she was stronger on it than me. Okay. 
Yeah. And then she said they don't have any holes. And then through a game, but she meant like in the every position is like mm-hmm. taken care of yeah. kind of thing. We don't mean that it's like the bills where yeah. it's like every position is unbelievable. <laughs> so we're on a pod together and then she that through a game of telephone with Lions fans became like it did, Lions uh, fans ready to run. For a team that's got the shit kicked out of them for forever, like fans definitely grabbed onto that and say, like, oh look, like the national right. media loves what's this team. Fu- okay, let me tell you the funny story about this. Sorry, I'm not get to your question, but what's funny about it, what's funny about it is that we were joking, well, on that podcast we were joking because the week before she had said something about the Texans that they were the most, they had a self-aware rebuild. And because there had just been not a positive headline yeah. in Texas, in Houston for two years, <laughs> it was just like the biggest thing. It was like Mina Khan phrases the Texans rebuild. It's like barely a compliment. It's like, yeah, they know what they are. And so then that then we were joking about how we could just like, how we could accidentally like be aggregated by Houston again. And accidentally within that podcast, she became a lion's darling yeah. by just saying every position seems to be taken care of. Because that was the pod was the the needs pod. Yep. That was what we were doing. We we're going through every team's need. So then just flippantly she was like, well the Lions I feel like they've got solutions in every place so they might be able to, you know, out of whatever. And then they through a game of telephone it became like Mina Khan is a, a lion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I was just curious, like how like just taking the big view, Kevin, like yeah. how much are you buying into Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, and the rebuild in Detroit and where it's headed? How yeah. Much, how much are you buying in? So I want to qualify this because I'm in on it. And not for twenty twenty two. That's Solak and Sharp and Mina they can have the island. <laughs> I think they're six, seven win team. Having said that, I don't think I, I use this analogy. I was looking through an Esquire magazine a couple months ago and I saw uh, I'm really curious to hear what you're gonna And I saw an interview with Tim McGraw and it was like the what I've learned thing. And he the first thing he said was the one thing I've learned is that in Nashville you can have the songs, you can have the look, you can have the management, you have the fan base. And it just never happens for you. It just never happens for you. And I thought that was very profound. And for whatever reason, I was doing something else with the NFL that day. And I was thinking, like, there's so many teams where I go. Great example of this is the Brian Flores Dolphins. Mm. I went there their first year in December when they started to win games when they were tanking. And I was just like, they're doing everything right. They're slow. Flores is building a culture while losing. All of that stuff, right? And it didn't happen. They lost, They missed on Tua. And I'm not saying that was fatal. To the rebuild, we've seen lots of teams figure. I mean, the, the Browns made the playoffs with Baker and all that stuff. But the, all you can do is gauge it at this point on process, on how these guys approach these things, on how they talk about how they're approaching it. And for me, they're right up there. They're at the top of sort of the rebuilds that I've seen. But you have to be judging rebuilds is a very hard thing to do because so much of it comes down to I'm making this up, but. Let's say you hit on a great generational player and he's got health problems. Everything gets yeah. gets derailed there. You're just giving yourself a chance with these rebuilds. And nothing, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the Bills rebuilt on the fly, basically, in, in 2018 and had to have one of the best rosters in football. The Steelers never rebuild. They somehow seem right. to beat everybody anyway. That's where I was yesterday, and we were talking about that a little bit. So I don't think a good process guarantees you, but it's a good process. The Lions have been going through the rebuild process since mm. 1957. Yeah, but there's so, a, so, a lot of people who aren't capable of it. Right? Oh, and that's what I tell people. Yes. That's how I feel, too, is that who knows if this will work out because it hasn't for forever. And so many things have to go right. And we just haven't seen it happen in Detroit. And it could happen again. But what I like about Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes is they're giving themselves a chance. I like to have a cohesive yeah. vision, a plan. Things make sense. The pieces are falling into place. The talent's getting better. Guys actually like coming into work. 
you were out there today, the energy is completely different than what it was that was under the last guys. That was because of me. I yeah. brought the energy. I mean, there's free ice cream today, too. So There was? Um, yeah, there was. Yeah. God damn it. Ice cream. <laughs> Am I allowed to curse on this? Only when it's yeah. ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. I need an explicit label because it was free ice cream. We do that to ourselves half the time anyway yeah. on accident. <laughs> Just, it's free ice cream. Come to it. No, but like these guys are giving themselves a chance. And I guess to me, that's the difference with this mm-hmm. rebuild versus the last one because there wasn't a day under Matt Patricia where I felt like this rebuild has a chance. I like what they're doing. I can see, I can understand what they're doing. Matt Patricia comes in day one and this mother effing guys, he's calling a star quarterback uh, a word I can't say. Yeah. The C word. I've, I've reported it. Yeah. In front of the whole team. Oh, cool. Yeah, the franchise. franchise quarterback. (laughs) You've heard the Matt Patricia stories. They're all true times 100. You could sense it breaking apart. Week one, Mm -hmm. I had a player, I'm not going to use his name because it was off the record, but I had a player week one before the game against the Jets say, we were just like bullshitting about like the season and how he's feeling and stuff. He said, I don't have a very good feeling about this. Only time I've ever heard something like that going into a season. Like this is like the rose petals time of year, right? Everything is sunshine and rainbows. And this guy's like, yeah, it's not going to be good. They get kicked in the face by 31 points against a really bad Jets team and Sam Darnold. First career starter. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, that thing was off the rails before it started. They had a five-hour bitch fest the morning after that Jets loss where Patricia, like, went up and down the meeting room, basically just mother-effing every single person. Mm-hmm. And that was the start. You just never felt like it was going to work. And I think that's, the, to me, like, the difference with these guys that, like, yeah. You can't predict the future. There could be injuries. You think you still need a quarterback, and there's so many things that have to fall into place for that to happen. But I'm sitting here going into year two saying I've seen enough to think they have a shot to do it. And that, at least in Detroit, is a, is an upgrade. Hope. That's all you have. You have hope. Yeah. And, and I don't – I think what you're doing and what we're doing, and it's important, is differentiating between fake hope and real hope. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No. Good shit, Kevin. Thanks a lot. Thanks, buddy. Good cool. time. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again. Thanks again.